and good morning, Wednesday morning, here on Rogue Grace. This is Peter John, wanting to remind you, wanting to tell you, wanting to announce to you, Wednesday night Bible study, 7 p.m., with a guy named Dad, a.k.a. Pastor John. Tonight, I will be there, Lord willing. So looking forward to seeing you. Why not? Come on out. You will walk away with the word of God in your heart. Now, what doesn't kill you doesn't kill you. That's kind of my philosophy in life right now. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? I don't know. I know, though, what doesn't kill you doesn't kill you. <laughs> I'm still here, and so are you. That's why you're listening. That's why you're able to, because we're still alive by the grace of God. So, you know, life has its ups and downs, as you know. But God's word and his spirit and his love allow me and you to come to peace with those things. To come to peace with imperfectionism. So... While we don't have all the knowledge and understanding to why we go through everything that we do, we are given a peace from God to guard our hearts and our minds. Boy, that's important. To guard my mind and my heart. Yours too. Those are the two places that need to be guarded when it comes to the ups and the downs of life, right? Your mind, where your thoughts are, your heart, where your feelings go. And God gives us a peace that passes understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You know, every single journey that we're on, that you're on, that I'm on, has its shares of progress and victories and its share of setbacks and failures. Perfection is impossible. But it's possible to be a Christian, to be godly, to be kind without perfection. So, anyways, I don't know. Just some starting thoughts, I guess. I want to read to you from the book of 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter quoting the prophet Isaiah. When he says in First Peter chapter 2. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who just, justly judges. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed you know that scripture most likely you've heard it the term by his wounds or his stripes you have been healed quoting from isaiah chapter 53 
and how true and powerful that is. I want to consider it a bit this morning. But the first thing I'd like to mention is that that scripture that Peter uses is connected to living in righteousness and dying to sin. Look at He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. That's the verse. That's the sentence. That's the scripture. How often, and rightly so many times, but how often by his wounds you have been healed is associated with our physical healing. But when Peter writes this, he is associating it with our spiritual salvation and healing. That through his body on the tree, Jesus Christ bore our sins so that we might die to sin, it says. Even as Jesus died physically, He bore our sins on his body that now we might die to sin spiritually and live to righteousness. We don't often hear the entirety of that scripture. By his wounds you have been healed. And what it's associated with, we associate it rightly so many times, understandably for sure, with physical healing, with overcoming disease. Okay, that's good. But why don't we hear it more often? With overcoming sin and living to righteousness because by his wounds you have been healed. We'll continue to talk about that right after this.
I like that song. Nothing else matters. Really, right? When it gets down to it. The fact that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Nothing else matters, really. I mean, I'm not saying we don't go through stuff. We do. But boy, does the word and God's truth put it in perspective. Yeah, you got your set of stuff and so do I. But then we remember that though we have sinned, he was crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. Nothing, as we just heard, else, as just was sung, matters. So, Peter quotes this, this statement, this poem, this beautiful scripture from Isaiah, doesn't he? We just read that last segment. And we noted that where it says, by his wounds we are healed, Peter associates that with the forgiveness of our sins and giving us righteousness. That's the power of shalom. Because you see, just before that, it says, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. In other words, the punishment for our peace or the punishment for our shalom. He took the punishment so that I might have shalom. Now, both Isaiah and then Peter say, by his stripes, we are healed. So, it is now for all who believe. Maybe you know what an autoimmune disease is. I do, because I got it. It won't quit. It's kind of the dude version, in my case at least, of the woman in the gospel accounts whose cycle wouldn't end. Remember that? That's what an autoimmune disease is of sorts. It just won't stop. Your immune system won't relax and it starts attacking your own body. Well, I need to rest in the finishedness of Jesus Christ's work on the cross to convey to my innermost being, shalom. And the way we get that is Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. That helps a body that is refusing to stop that's constantly driven, not just mine, by the way, I'm talking about yours. <laughs> when you are in those times, those seasons, those days of life where everything seems to be driven, right? You need the shalom that comes from the punishment that Jesus took for us in our place. It brings us peace. quiet conscience is what the cross brings. That is how we avoid self-destructive behavior. That's how we keep from sabotaging our own success by resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The word Sabbath, as you may know, simply means to stop. It means to cease, to sit still. Do you know it can also be translated to celebrate? 
And Sabbath or rest is the great grand theme of the Bible. The rest of God, the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, work, I needed to teach this to my kids. <clears throat> work isn't the curse. <laughs> I'm trying to teach this to my teenagers. Work is not the curse. I mean, for those first six days, God was creating. And then on that day six, he gives Adam and Eve work as a result of the curse. No, I'll tell you though, it is the stress of work that is the result of the curse. Hence the number six, six, six. Why? Day six, right? Six, six, six. Working perpetually. No break, right? Where the number seven, not seven, 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 just seven. It's the Sabbath. Day seven, the Sabbath day. The day of rest. God was declaring when he rested on that seventh day, creation doesn't make me, I make it. And so too, when you rest on a Sabbath, you are declaring, my work doesn't make me, <laughs> by God's grace, I make it. So, 666 is fitting into a system that just doesn't stop. Remember, kind of, I know this is kind of a stretch, but remember the, the potter and the clay? They're in Jeremiah 18. The potter takes the clay and it goes around and around and comes, and God says through Jeremiah, take that clay, beat it up, and make it new. That's how I kind of feel life can be, right? Can you go around and around? There's always something more to do. Another deadline to meet, another mountain to climb, another goal to accomplish. You're never like, it is finished uh, naturally. And so too with that woman that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment, who had a cycle that wouldn't stop. Her system, her cycle wouldn't stop. Just like the cycle that Potter had it just like Crohn's can be. The cycle doesn't stop. But I'll tell you what. The Sabbath. The Sabbath. Jesus gave us rest for our soul. To break us out of 666, right? Stop. Meaning... You have nothing more to prove. You don't have to be busy or be successful to, to prove yourself. That's why there's so much involved on seven. I mean, as you know, your, your heart rate slows on the seventh day. New cells are created on the seventh day. All kinds of stuff that takes place naturally. And so Genesis was giving us insight to that long before anybody could really study that stuff physically. I'm glad that the Lord has done all the work. I'm glad he finished the work. I'm glad that he has grace for me and grace for you when he calls us to rest. We'll be right back. Your joy when the morning comes, your hope keeps me looking up. You are enough. Your peace, the eye of every storm, your strength. When my heart is born, you are enough. Whatever comes my way, 
You know, there's a really great book that I read a couple of years ago when I was doing a sermon series of sorts um, on the tabernacle. And the book is called Essential Oils by Dr. David Stewart. And he writes about the role of oils and fragrance and how it pertains to the tabernacle, but how it pertains to our lives today. So if you're into studying the Levitical things of um, the tabernacle, such as the fragrances, uh, that's a good book, Essential Oils by Dr. David Stewart. I highly recommend it. Unlike the other senses, your sense of smell moves you or moves us because it moves from the area of the emotions in the back of your mind to the frontal lobe of your conscience. So it goes from back to the front. Normally, for other senses, touching, tasting, it starts from front to back. But the sense of smell is beginning in the back and moves towards the front. It's something completely different. Now, the fragrance was so important in the book of Leviticus, wasn't it? And in the tabernacle. It was a fragrance, it was a, a, um, a concoction of elements that was forbidden for the people. They could not duplicate it in the community of Israel. And there were five ingredients to this fragrance in Leviticus. And one of the five is still mysterious. We don't even know what it is to this day. We know the other four, but not that fifth one, so to speak, kind of the X factor. I like that because to me, it points to, it speaks of Jesus Christ, who is holy, who is unique, who is alone, going to change our lives and bring the fragrance of God, Jesus Christ alone. You can't duplicate him, replicate him. He is holy. And although the people of Israel couldn't take on this fragrance, you and I, we can. When the veil was torn, when Jesus cried, it is finished. This fragrance spiritually is imputed to us. It's imparted in that sense. Like those who were anointing Jesus' body, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they would smell like Jesus. They took on the sense of Jesus. So too, because of his body, by faith, you and I take on the aroma of Jesus Christ. Now, as you know, the sense of smell, the aroma of the oils and the fragrances of the tabernacle has to do with the fact that it doesn't take a long time, does it, for the priest to smell like the fragrance. It's an instant, right? In a moment. Do you know that when you anoint your body with oil, like say you put on a fragrance, in a moment, let's say you take one of those drops of a fragrance or of an anointing oil of sorts, you know, those kind of that are in the tiny little bottles. In a moment, all hundred trillion of your cells are touched by it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So how much more? Of course, then, does this speak of? If one drop can at some point in a moment reach all hundred trillion of your cells, with one drop, 40,000 times 
whatever is necessary reaches each cell. cell. I mean, that's amazing. 40,000 times more than you need in these oils that are from the scriptures with one drop. I like how we read, or I, t- I mentioned at the beginning, that the sm- sense of smell works from the back of the brain to the front of the brain. The other senses work from the front to the back. You know why I like that? The front is, if you would, your switchboard. But in a real sense, the healing that comes from the fragrances of the smells the healing that comes from the aroma of the incense begins in the back and goes to the front. In other words, it skips the switchboard of the brain. I I like the switchboard in terms of I want to study God's word. I want to know how the doctrine of salvation works for sure. But I also need his sweet touch that skips the front of the brain. That skips the old switchboard, if you know what I mean. I I need that as well. It's interesting that in Leviticus chapter 16, you read about these aromas and these fragrances, and the Bible speaks of it as the sweetness of forgiveness. I love that. So breathe in like a fragrance, the grace of God. Breathe in his forgiveness. That means just simply take it in, right? That's what it means to breathe in. Simply take it in. It'll move into your innermost being, skipping the switchboard, if you would. Because as you know, what sustains us is not how much we breathe out but what we breathe in. I love how in Genesis 3, Adam breathed in when God touched him. May you breathe in the goodness, the grace, and the fragrance of Jesus Christ. Right? Now, this is kind of cool because I don't normally talk like this. I'm not the kind of guy that talks about fragrances and aromas But see, that's the cool thing about teaching through the Bible. At some point, you hit about every topic, including these aromas that I studied in the book of Leviticus. And so it's, uh, it's really cool, really cool stuff. And again, I, you can study this on your own and find great blessing in studying the aromas, the fragrances of the book of Leviticus. It's pretty cool. There's really no book like the Bible, is there? The Bible, it just stands the test of time, right? Right. I mean, these beautiful Levitical ordinances are still as precious and are still as full and are still as applicable just as much in the year 2016 as they were in the year 1500 BC, right? I love the Bible and the book of Leviticus when it talks about these fragrances and how people, the priests would bring them out and people would be healed. They brought out the fragrance and an entire population of Israel was saved in one dilemma where they were being poisoned but whoever smelt this fragrance was saved from the snake bites. And the thing about the scriptures is it doesn't sugarcoat, you know, life and death. 
But what the fragrance of Jesus Christ does is once you accept death, then you can really live. (laughs) Man, you're not gripped. You're not tied down. You accept, you know what? Death in terms of there is no death. I know I will live. And then you don't have to take life so seriously. And so, continue to take in the beautiful fragrance of God's grace. Whether it's tonight at Bible study, or in your own living room, with your Bible, with your spouse, It will always bring you hope and peace. And hope always has the last word, no matter what you're going through. Right? It's been said before that the two hardest things to handle in life are one or A, failure, and B, success. (laughs) So true. The Bible keeps us centered when we're going through failure and or going through success. That's cool. We'll be right back. Lord, 
Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Maybe you've heard that scripture. Or in the King James, how can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Or something like that. Let me look that up. Let me look up the KJV, Amos chapter 3, verse 3. You're familiar with the text, perhaps. Yes. So, while I'm turning there, you've heard that scripture before, where if two are walking together, can they not be in agreement? Unless, I'll read it from the King James now, it reads, can two walk together except they be agreed? There you go. That's the anointed version. <laughs> the one, of course, the language that God wrote the scriptures in, King James English. But going back now to the less anointed version, I say that tongue-in-cheek, of the scriptures I am reading from, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet, unless they are in agreement. And of course, he's asking that question in response to the people's rebellion against God. And God says, you can only walk with me unless we're agreed. That makes sense. To walk, going somewhere, together. And therefore, of course, at the same pace, right? If you're walking together. So progress, mean made, you're moving ahead. There's a journey, but it's a two-way experience. God says, we have to have that if we're going to travel this life together, if we're going to walk together, we have to be agreed. Thank the Lord that Jesus Christ came to make me, quote, agreeable to God, that Jesus makes me holy, that God gave his son Jesus to do just that. So that now you are known and loved by God. Listen to this quote by Tim Keller. To be loved and not known is convenient but superficial. To be fully known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be fully known and fully loved is to be loved by God. hoo There's no shame. You're fully known and you're still recognized and reconciled by God. I like what he says. We don't want to be fully known because we might not be fully loved by other people. And if we're not fully known, then it's superficial. But with God, we are fully known and fully loved because we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That term reconcile in the New Testament that Paul and others use was an economic term in their day for currency. So a currency exchange would take place depending on what part of the Roman Empire you were traveling in, right? A currency exchange would take place and you were reconciling that currency. You have been reconciled. A currency exchange. So that now you have, I have the same currency with God. So we can be friends. 
you and I. <laughs> yeah. Whoever you are, whatever age you are, you and I have the same currency. Because for you and I, Jesus became wrong that we might be right. Through nothing he did, he died and became sin. So that through nothing we do, we live and are made righteous. So, you and I, yeah, you and Pete, buds, brothers, sisters in the Lord. Good to know. Only the Lord could do something that's spectacular to bring somebody like you and somebody as crazy as me and somebody as crazy as Johnny Cash together. My 15-year-old and 14-year-old better like that song. If they don't like that song, that's on them. My 15-year-old, my 14-year-old, they better like Johnny Cash singing an amazing grace. But even if they don't, <laughs> even if they don't, Jesus still loves them. <laughs> and you and me too. And thank you for tuning in today to Rogue Grace. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share God's word, to share the gospel. And now you get the opportunity to share maybe something you heard on the radio or maybe something you read in the scriptures. You get the opportunity to share the gospel. That is, you get the opportunity to share good news. Everybody else is always talking about bad news. You know, CNN, MSNBC, bad news. Even when it comes to our politics and our political leaders, right? Bad news, right? Always bad news, always negative. Positive has no ratings, right? Well, that's okay, I guess. But, man, we have been given the cool opportunity to go up against all of that and share gospel, good news.
we can tell people this, the sins, not only of me, but of the whole world have been taken on by Jesus Christ, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might find peace in our souls, that we are now justified through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who isn't pacing, isn't stressing, but is seated at the right hand of God the Father, who is not mad at you, but loves you and knows your name and has called you his own through Jesus Christ. That'll preach. God bless. See you tonight. Unless the Lord comes back first. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Right? Right. Talk to you later.